Welcome to the Sterling Foursquare Church Podcast. Our mission is to offer hope for the broken, lives that are thriving, the equipping of believers, and the launching of leaders. More info can be found at sterlingfoursquare.com. Thank you for joining us today. This morning, we've got another uh, element to our service that's going to be a little bit extra and special for us. It'll be something that we do towards the end of our service this morning. But if you've been a part of our church family, if you've been walking with us the last several weeks or paying attention, then you've already uh, known that this is going to be part of today. But uh, Pastor Bob and Kimberly, who have been with us for the last seven years, uh, are going to be moving on to their next adventure. Today is their kind of their final Sunday with us. We're going to be praying over them. We're going to be commissioning them and sending them out. Uh, Bob has called it retirement, but he's also sat in my office and said, I don't know how to retire from following Jesus. And I was like, you don't. You just get reassigned to a new place. And so that's going to be part of what we do uh, today. Um, but we're going to also be celebrating them this afternoon. From 1 to 3 o'clock, we've got um, a dessert reception in the fellowship hall. We'll have a chance for you to kind of spend some time with them. You can share some memories. There's a couple places for kind of cards and favorite Bible verses. And we've also got chocolate fountains. So if you needed something to sweeten the deal, chocolate does the trick. But we want to encourage you to come back and be part of that with us as well. Man, I'm struggling this morning. (coughs) Can I get a Kleenex? (laughs) (coughs) Mornings like this take all the mystery out of being a pastor. Like, literally, anybody can do this. In late uh, 2014, kind of early 2015, uh, I sat in a meeting with our church council, and I made a startling admission to them, and this is what I said. I said, as a church, we're very poor at making disciples. And it got really quiet, and they all just kind of looked at me, because that's not something that you want to hear. It's not something that you want to say. It's not something that you want to have an admission to. But I said, we're not, we're not good at making disciples. It, it's not that we weren't giving it a try. It wasn't, it wasn't that we didn't have some things going on. You know, we had a few Bible studies. We had kind of some extra gatherings. We were doing all the things that it seems like you were supposed to do, but we weren't seeing people move and grow into the fullness of who God had created them to be. We had mature people who were kind of going through the motions, and we had new believers who had no next step to journey into their calling or plan and purpose for God. And so in many ways, like we were a healthy, we were a growing church in that regards, but we were also stuck and stagnant. There was no way to go forward into a future of fruitfulness if we didn't change some things at that point. We didn't have a pathway or a plan or a process. We didn't have any intentional way. If you were to raise your hand and say, I want to be a man of God, we didn't have a way to get you there other than to say, come back next Sunday, listen to the next message, and we'll hope for the best. And can I tell you, if that's the way that you're approaching your own growth and discipleship, you will not ever get there. 
Because if you made every Sunday for a whole year, you'd get 52, 20 to 30 minute messages from Pastor Ben, and that's not going to... It's going to get you into the, fa- the, the fullness of God's plans and purposes for you. It'll give you a little pick-me-up, but it's not going to get you there. You've got to grow, and there's got to be an intentional approach to it. And so I was talking to our, our church council, and I said, hey, here, here's, the, here's the need. Here's the gap. There's a lot of things that we're doing well, and we're healthy and growing, but we can go no further unless we can actually make disciples, help people become mature in the things of God. And so after that conversation, Pastor Beth and I, we started kind of going to work to think about how do we kind of close the back door? How do we close the gaps? How do we help people actually move into the things? There's challenges in ministry because sometimes it takes a lot of effort to get people motivated to want to grow. There's a lot of pastor friends of mine who they don't have people in their church who actually want to go and grow. They just want to sit and listen. And that's a, that's a whole challenge in itself. But once you have people that say, man, I want all that God has for me. If you don't have a way to help them get there, like you're still in the same place. And so we began to look and to think about how we were going to help people move and grow intentionally, on purpose, with purpose, not just hoping for the best from Sunday to Sunday. And Pastor Beth and I began to kind of land on some things that we thought were really helpful. We, we, we started to see how our church and how our community functioned and started to put some things into place that were going to begin to move us forward. And I could see, we could see together where we wanted to try to be, but here was the admission, we would not be able to get us there very quickly. Because as pastors and leaders in the church, we were already maxed out. We, we couldn't give anymore, and so we were either going to have to pull back from the things that were already healthy to try to get something moving, or we were going to just have to hope for the best, nickel and diming it over time. And so I came back to our church council, and I said, here's the deal. I can see where we need to get to, and I do have the ability to get us there, but if I don't have any help, it'll take me 10 years. It'll take me 10 years to get us as a church family, healthy and systems in place to be able to do what we know that God has called us to do. I can get us there, but it will take me 10 years. Or God can bring somebody alongside of us and I can get us there in two to three. And so that was the need. That was the ask. That was the recognition. That was kind of the big admission. And what's true is whether, you, is whether we're talking about our church family and kind of the history of, of our growth and the direction that God has taken us, or whether we're just talking about ourselves as individuals and the things that we're just doing and enduring in our daily life, the thing that is true is that we all have moments in our lives where we need encouragement. We need somebody to come alongside us and be a part of what is happening in our lives. Sometimes in just a simple way is you've got to move and you need somebody else to carry the other side of the dresser. And in spiritual ways, somebody to come alongside us and to encourage us or to teach us or to to help further us along. But we all have those needs in our lives where we need either encouragement or support or assistance. But really it's somebody to come alongside us and to lend us really their strength, sometimes their wisdom. But it's, it becomes this companionship where you move forward together into the fullness of the things that are going on. And when I laid out to my church council our need, when, when I said, hey, this is what I was presenting to them, this is what I said. I said, I need a leader who is already mature. 
If I was going to seek out kind of a younger leader that I was going to have to try to pour into as well, I would have to be pouring into a leader while trying to create a process that would pour in to leaders. It, it would be counterproductive. I need a leader who is mature. I need a leader who can come alongside me and help me create a system of care and a system of community and a system of growth and multiplication. I need help. And if we get that, we can get there really fast. And so we began to pray. And inside six months, Pastor Bob and Kimberly moved to Sterling. And it was like a suspiciously divine moment in their lives and in the lives of our church because they weren't moving to Sterling to be a part of Sterling Foursquare Church. They weren't coming to Sterling because I put a job description up on Indeed that said, I need a really, really high capacity pastor for not a lot of compensation. <laughs> I need somebody to help me birth ministries that aren't even there yet like, and wants to grind out the work. Like we, we, didn't, we didn't do that. What we did is we prayed. We prayed. And Bob and Kimberly moved to this community not to be part of this church, not looking for ministry at all, but to care for their aging parents, sensing a move in their life and an assignment that God had given them. But they came at a very timely moment in our church, and they began to be part of something that God did miraculously. And what I saw that I could get us to 10 years out we got birthed in two years as a result of them being here. If you've got your Bibles, I want to encourage you to go ahead and get those out. If you've got your smartphone or Bible app, go ahead and open those up. Lord, we ask that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you would speak to us through your word today. Lord, that we would take it in, that we would be encouraged by it that we would see places in our lives where we could be motivated to act on it, and Lord, that we would be led by your Spirit to do that with courage. In Jesus' name, amen. With your Bible out, I want to invite you to just go ahead and open up to Acts chapter 4. We're going to be sitting on an anchor verse there for a few moments this morning, and then we'll be bouncing around a little bit more. But one of the things that you find in Scripture, and we talked about this in our last sermon series as we were talking about by the book, and then kind of be, before that, it was we, as we were talking about this is my story, a lot of Scripture is narrative. A lot of it is written as stories, and what it does is it narrates the, the lives and the events of, of people in real places in real time. And one of the reasons why it does that is it provides examples for us as to what to expect as to how God would and could move in our lives as a result of it. So the examples in Scripture, they're always given for our benefit. They're always for us to understand how God might move in the world around us and in our lives as a result of that. And as much as your situation is personal, as much as my situation in life is personal, it's not actually unique. The things that you are challenged with, the challenges that you face, the difficulties that you have, there are personal elements to all of our stories that make them kind of unique to us, but they're not actually unique problems or situations in the world or in human history. 
And so seeing how God moves in the lives of others who have endured similar things to us or being able to look at their story and to overlay it ours and to see maybe where, where we have gaps where we need to grow or places where we need to take steps of faith or to be motivated because God has moved this way before so he can do that again in my life, there's benefit in seeing those types of stories because it raises our expectation of who God is and how he might act in our lives. And when I think about Pastor Bob and Kimberly and their arrival in Sterling, uh, kind of unassuming, in many ways kind of unplanned and not a part of what they would have said was the future that would have had for them, and not something that was at our invitation and not something that we were somehow recruiting them or orchestrating, but just it seemed that God was moving needs and provision of needs at the same time to an apex of intersection. And they arrived in Sterling at a timely moment and began to be part of all that God has done in this place in the last seven years. And I'm going to highlight a few of those things in just a little bit. But they reminded me, their story reminds me of the story of a man named Joseph. And when I say a man named Joseph, but I've already told you to go to Acts chapter 4, you're probably confused already if you went to Sunday school because you're like, hey, Joe is an Old Testament guy and I already know his story. But the reason why it's not familiar to us is because we don't usually talk about this guy as Joseph because we know him by his nickname and his nickname was Barnabas. In Acts chapter 4, we are introduced to a man named Barnabas. And he's somebody who shows up through the rest of the book of Acts. If you're somebody who likes to kind of nerd out on stuff like this, I want to encourage you. You could just do a study on Barnabas, and I'll give you the big chapters on it right now. He's going to be in chapter 4, chapter 9, chapter 11, chapter 13, and chapter 15 in the book of Acts. He's there at the beginning, he's there towards the end, and he's doing all kinds of stuff that we're going to highlight in just a moment. But when he comes on the scene in the narrative of of the book of Acts, the, the way that the church is kind of birthed and begins to grow and develop, he comes very unassuming, but it is suspiciously divine, the timing. And in the first three, four chapters of the book of Acts, The people that are named by name, the people that are kind of spoken about and talked about, the people that are highlighted, they're all the apostles. It's the 12, minus Judas, because he's out right now. They talk a little bit about the one who replaced him in Acts chapter 1, but the, the whole of the content is just talking about the present leaders of the church, the guys that everybody knew had already been leading, they were already doing ministry, they were with Jesus, they saw miracles, they had done some miracles. All of the stories have to do with those individuals there. But the first person other than the, uh, the 12, the first person other than the apostles that is mentioned in the narrative of the life of the church is this man, Joseph. And in Acts chapter 4, verse 36, it gives us a little content on him. It says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned, and he brought the money to the apostles' feet. And then that's it. Like, that's all it says about him. So Joe here is a part of the church family, apparently, He's somebody who sells a piece of property and he takes that money and he brings it to the apostles and basically says, here, use this to resource ministry. We see him at the kind of the beginning of the birth of the church, generously stewarding this new move of God, but he's only mentioned in this place. 
And it goes out of its way to say, hey, this is Joseph, and this is kind of his background, but it highlights the fact that his nickname was Barnabas. And it goes out of its way to tell us that Barnabas means something, that he had a nickname, and that nickname had meaning to it, right? Many of us had to endure nicknames maybe in middle school, right? So somebody, you know, I don't know what your nickname was, but it probably wasn't nice because middle schoolers aren't very nice. I remember at one point in time, I had a nickname, and it was The Nose. That was it, just The Nose, because my friends thought my nose was too big, and now some of you are going to be distracted the rest of the morning trying to decide whether or not it's true. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep it off my nose. But his nickname was significant, and it meant the son of encouragement. And if you take the time to read chapter 9, 11, 13, and 15, you would see why he was spoken of in that way. I don't know if his nickname was given to him here and it played out in the rest of his life or whether when they were writing the history, when Luke was doing that, he gave that intentionally here because he didn't refer to him as Joseph ever again in the rest of the scripture. It's always referred to as Barnabas. But either way, he had a nickname that was aligned with who he was and who he was going to be and how God was going to use him. And one of the things that you find if you study Barnabas after this point is in every one of those chapters and interactions, he's doing one of three things or all of them simultaneously. And the first one is he was always encouraging new works. This idea of being the son of encouragement, it wasn't just kind of like, that a boy, you can do it. All right, we all need to hear that. We need somebody to pat us on the back. We need people to tell us that we're valuable and that, we've got a good, that we're doing a good job. We, we do need that. But this word has so much more depth and meaning to it. And when you see it play out in Barnabas' life, he is coming in at a suspiciously divine moments to be a part of a new move of God to be a part of something that God was about to birth and do. And you see that over and over. He's consistently coming into contact with leaders who are in deep need of encouragement. And he comes alongside them and he speaks into them and he champions them. He creates uh, an amount of tutelage with them and he moves them forward and he calls out the best in them. And he does it for more than just Paul, which is the one that we usually know. But on several occasions, Scripture walks Barnabas through those types of, of narratives. And then the third thing that you find him doing all the time is that he is always encouraging the body of believers as a whole. So he is encouraging new works of God, new moves of God to happen. He's encouraging the leaders who are a part of those things, and he's encouraging the gather of believers, and he's creating alignment and encouragement and moving people forward into all of those things. And Barnabas came alongside the early church at a really important moment. And when you read the rest of the, the, the stories, Acts chapter 5, 6, 7, and 8, you see a church that's rapidly in need of kind of organizing and systematizing and being intentional about caring for people's needs and moving people forward, caring for people and sending them out on mission. And as they're trying to fumble their way through all of this, you find Barnabas and a number of others as well as a part of God's provision and his answer for that. And so when I, when I say it like that, when I, when, I, when I describe it like that, when Bob and Kimberly arrived in Sterling, it was a Barnabas moment for our church family. We were in a place where we had a deep need to see the things that we knew God was calling to us actually start to be birthed and to moved out. 
There were places in Beth and I where we needed companionship and where we needed support, where we needed camaraderie, because ministry can be really, really hard when you are doing it by yourself. It can be really challenging. And in fact, a number of my friends and colleagues in this community and around the United States really struggle with that component there, that it's hard for them because in their community and even sometimes within their church family, they don't have uh, the support or the care that they need to be able to go the distance. Anybody can lead short term out of their own strength, out of their own effort, out of their own capacity, out of their just grit, but you can't go long term without others. There's even a leadership principle that says if you want to go fast, go alone, but if you want to go far, go with a group. And so there was, a, there was a need for us. There was a need for us at that time as a church because we didn't want to wait 10 years to see what God could do with us if he could do it in two and he could bring the right people alongside us. And so... Bob and Kimberly's entrance to Sterling as, you know, um, unlikely as it was, crossed our paths, and they began to be a part of encouraging all of those things. They encouraged new works in our church family. In fact, the summer that they arrived, Pastor Beth and I were already looking at how we were going to try to launch our connect groups the way that we do uh, smaller purposeful, intentional care and community with our church family. If you're somebody who's like, man, I, I, need, I need people around me. I need, I need a tribe. Our many tribes within our tribe are connect groups, and you need to get connected to one of those. And I can tell you that if you do that, that you will be cared for and that you will have community that will see you grow, and you, you will grow fast. It will almost be uncomfortable how fast you grow because they're going to be going and encouraging you to go with them. But as we were wrestling that out, we had kind of an idea, but we needed help. Bob and Kimberly were coming over to our house, and they were part of, of speaking into things that they weren't a part of. They weren't even coming to church here. They were still going back and commuting back to their old place. They were continuing in their old ministry, but they were already a resource preemptively of things that they were going to be a part of in just a short time. Isn't it interesting how God does that? It crosses our paths, and he gives us our need of provision, even when we're not even sure or don't even know that that's provision that is coming or that is even needed. And so they got to be a part of helping us launch connect groups that they got to speak into, and then they got to steward and pastor, and they were our connections pastors. They got to be a part of launching our equipping classes as Pastor Tom was putting all together kind of the systematic process of helping people grow through classes and through cohorts. Another place that I would tell you, if you get into our equipping process, if you take those classes, you will grow. You cannot take those classes and get into a connect group and, group and not grow. You will grow like crazy if you get aligned with the things that God is doing in your life. And as Tom was launching those, as he was rolling out those classes, Bob and Kimberly came in and they started teaching those classes because Tom would have to launch a class and a class that he was previously launching would need somebody to teach it. And they started caring and stewarding over that, particularly in square two. And any of you who took square two during their tenure over that class module, then you know the contribution that they made just to your personal spiritual growth and health. They launched our love and war marriage class and stewarded so many people back towards healthier marriages. They were part of our emotionally healthy spirituality class a summer ago. Very pivotal in many people's growth and healing and wholeness. 
part of launching our care ministry and our heart for the house when we redid our sanctuary for our 90th celebration in 2018. Those back walls there that we see every week, Bob built by hand on his own in the fellowship hall, thinking about how do we engineer this in a way that we can move it so we can still do baptism and we can reconfigure for weddings and putting in all the behind the scenes work you wouldn't even know about. And that's just encouraging new things being done. And just like Barnabas, when he would show up and a new ministry would be formed, when he would show up and a new leader was being uh, sent out, Bob and Kimberly have been like that in our church family. There, there are things, if you're new to our church family, there is fruit that you're going to enjoy for the whole time that you are here. There are things that God is going to do in your life that are a result of things that they've done that you will never even know about. Because of the way that God does that, he stewards that our contribution to the kingdom is never for just us and never for our moment. It's always for future fruitfulness. It's a beautiful thing that God does. Generation to generation. Leaders, man, they have encouraged leaders like crazy, particularly Beth and I. Where they came in to encourage us to go and to move and to chase the things that God has put out in front of us as vision and mission for our church family. And then when we're running too fast and nobody can peep up, they pull the reins and they say, hey, might want to take a break, might want to rest a little bit, right? It's, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And if you want everybody to go with you, you know, maybe it's a walkathon instead of a marathon, right? You got you to gotta slow down. And I can tell you what I've learned from Pastor Bob and from Kimberly is I have learned to have a spiritual rhythm in my life that's healthy. Where I don't get caught having to do so much for Jesus that I don't have any time to be with him. That I don't get caught having to tell others so much about Jesus that I don't have time to hear him say something to me. Because they've modeled what it means to have a life of mature spiritual rhythm that leaves space for pause and rest and for God to move in that place. And when it comes to just practical encouragement, you would think that maybe Pastor Bob, since I saw him uh, often and I had a meeting with him every week, that maybe that's where it would come from. But the most consistent and practical encouragement I received from Kimberly, who would text me often every Sunday. And not like, hey, Pastor, great message. Or, hey, that was a funny joke. She said nice things like that too, but it was never just like the pat on the back, keep going or keep trying to make things work. She would speak about what she saw God doing and how she saw God moving. And she would say, when you were speaking about this, I've seen this happening in our church family. I've seen this happening in the lives of others. And she would bring, be bringing alignment to the things that are happening in the church. And she would be calling out what God is doing. She's called it out in me. She's called it out in church family. And if you've spent any time with Pastor Bob and Kimberly, they've called those things out in you. You have grown closer to Jesus as a result of what they have done in your life as just simply coming alongside you and encouraging you. And it's the same thing that you see in the life of Barnabas over and over and over throughout the whole book of Acts where he comes alongside the church, where he comes alongside the community, where he comes alongside leaders and he encourages them to move into the fullness of the things that God had for them. And in Acts chapter 11, Barnabas is described in a specific way where he is described as a man who is good, full of the Holy Spirit, full of faith, and led many to Jesus. 
And what you see primarily highlighted in his life, if you, if you study it out, is the primary way that he brought people to Jesus was through his example and coming alongside them and moving them forward in the things that God had for them. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, Paul speaks to the church and he gives them this admonition. He says, follow me, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And as somebody who encourages, okay, the most impactful encouragement you can bring somebody is not keep it going or you can do it, but to come alongside them and say, hey, follow me and walk with me into the things that God has for you. And that's what we've got to enjoy. That's what we've got to see with Pastor Bob and Kimberly over the last seven years. And one of the most interesting things to me about that type of partnership, that type of connection, that type of humility and vulnerability to some degree is connected again back to Barnabas's name. Right? We started talking about Joseph, who we wouldn't even remember was his actual name. He went by his nickname Barnabas, and many of us would be able to, if you're kind of Sunday schooled or you came up through the church, you'd say, oh yeah, Barnabas, he was an encourager. But if you took time to pause and actually look at the statement that is spoken of the meaning of Barnabas' name, you have his name there in Scripture. And then in the parenthetical statement, it says that which means son of encouragement. And that word encouragement is paraklesis. And that doesn't mean a lot to you today because you don't speak Greek. But it's the same word that Jesus uses as a name of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 14, 15, 16, when, John, when Jesus says that the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, will come alongside you, that's the picture, paraklesis. And so what you see in Barnabas's life is the way that God used him consistently, and this isn't just unique to Barnabas. You could see this in other people and leaders within Scripture, so it's not just because he had the nickname that he got to do that. But it does draw our attention to the fact that the way that God moves within his people is oftentimes with his people coming alongside. The Holy Spirit comes alongside us, we come alongside others, and we encourage them into the new move of God in their life. We encourage them to take new steps of leadership and to take new steps of movement in the plans and purposes of the kingdom of God. We encourage the body to come together and to move into the fullness of the things that God has for us. And as a church family, over the last seven years, we've enjoyed that because of your presence, Pastor Bob and Kimberly. You came alongside our church family in a time where nobody would have known what the need was other than those who had already articulated it. At a time where you didn't know that you were God's provision to our need. You were just looking for a place to kind of connect. There was, there was no way for us to anticipate how important your arrival was. But it is appropriate for us to celebrate that we do know that now. And that there is more adventure that awaits you out in the future. Pastor Bob and Kimberly, if you guys would come forward, we're going to take time, church family, to pray over them. Church family, I'm going to invite you to go ahead and stand up. And yeah, you can celebrate them. You can clap for them. 
Worship team, if you guys would come back forward, we'll close in just a moment. You know, part, part of this morning is uh, difficult. You know, it's bittersweet, which is why we've got some dark chocolate in there, in the <laughs> chocolate fountains as well. That's for me. Um, you know, but it's, um, it's bittersweet. Like, with, without exaggeration, uh, the timing of your arrival was so important. It was important for me as a young leader. It was important for our church and kind of the new and growing anticipation of what God was doing. It was important for people here today who are going to enjoy the fruit of things that you put your hands to. So significant, so important. But even the arrival of today, where you guys would be moving out, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a temptation for us to think, okay, well, kind of, you know, they've chosen, like their time's done, and like, no. Like there's something suspiciously divine about these moments where you are being reassigned, where you are being sent out on a new mission, that there is a new ministry that needs somebody to come alongside it, or there is a new leader who is in desperate need of you to come alongside them, or there's a new community. It's in desperate need of you to be a part of birthing God's plans and purposes in it. There's, there's something, there's something out there. And in my own personal conviction and really the way that as a church family, we believe for things like your best days, your most fruitful days are still out front. The things that God would do in you in this next season will pale with what you've done here. And I will say that you have done great things here. The Lord has used you mightily here. And so we're going to commission you. We're going to send you out reluctantly, uh, but earnestly into the fullness of the things that God has for you. Church family, if you would stretch your hands out, Lord, we thank you for Bob and Kimberly and the Barnabas role that they've had in our church family. Lord, it's not the only way that you have used them and it's not the only uh, uh, expression of your goodness in their life here, but Lord, there has been a thread of encouragement from the day that they arrived that has yielded incredible fruit. Lord, that has stood as a dominant thread in their story here for the last seven years. Where they have championed new ministry, Lord, where they have championed leaders, where they have championed people, Lord, where they have come alongside and encouraged and supported. They've given of themselves and of their time and of their well of wisdom. And Lord, we thank you for them. And all that you've done here, Lord, I thank you for them and for what they have meant to me. But Lord, we commission them into the adventure that awaits. Lord, we convince, uh, commission them into your next steps for their life, for this next season. Lord, one that we believe that is going to be better and greater, more fruitful, more fulfilling. Lord, that their best days are still out in front of them. And even as they would leave a little bit of a vacancy, Lord, as we would feel because the loss. Lord, we know that you have what's best out in front of us as well. Lord, that there are new things, that there are new leaders, 
that there are new moves of God in our community and in our church family. And so, Lord, we receive those as well. And, Lord, would you help each one of us to see the role that we have to play in encouraging one another daily. Lord, your word says in Hebrews 3 that for as long as it is called today that we are to encourage one another. So let us follow their example and to look for opportunities to come alongside the things that you're doing and to lend ourselves to those giving of ourselves in a sacrificial way where we would be encouragers. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Love you guys. All right, uh, action steps for this week. You got a smartphone or a tablet, you can snap a picture of these. Otherwise, catch them on Facebook or online later this week. Number one, honestly acknowledge the places in your life where you need others to come alongside you and to be a part of encouragement and support. Number two, once you make that admission, allow people to come and do that in your lives. Allow them to have a place to encourage you. And then number three, be looking for opportunities to be that for somebody else this week. Let's come alongside what God is doing and be a part of how he moves in our community.